Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk and daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. Well, it is my honor tonight to be here with all of you. Um, I feel like this is a friendship reunion for, and there's people around the room that I have not gotten yet to say hi to and hug, so we'll do that after the service, but it's such an honor to be here tonight with all of you. Um, For those of you that I have not yet, my name is Trisha. Most people call me Trish and I had the privilege of being at the women's retreat a couple weekends ago, and so um, I got to meet half of your congregation. (laughs) And um, it was such a joy to be with uh, the women of Bethel Stratford, and so thank you so much for allowing me to come to the retreat and then to come back here, and just to be in your church is such a blessing tonight. I want you to know, before we even get to God's word, how much I love and honor your pastors. I said this at the retreat, but it needs to be said again, especially in front of Pastor Chad. You are blessed, church, to have Pastor Chad and Melissa here. They are, um, they are, in my mind, they are heroes for the way that they serve with integrity and character and a passion for the things of God. And I just respect and honor them so much and um, blessed to call them friends and blessed to do ministry with them and So it's quite an honor to be here tonight in in your house. So thank you so much for having me. Um, I want to talk tonight on this encounter weekend about, or this encounter night, about the Holy Spirit. I know that's kind of like, of course, an encounter service. You're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. But I just believe that there is a strategic um, preparation that God wants to do in our midst tonight And for all of you, I just think that this is a night when God wants to come and refill and do another Pentecostal experience in all of your lives. I think that with next week being a very strategic week in the life of your church and going into two services, I want you to understand that what is about to happen in your church is dependent on every one of you in this room. And that we have to be people who are filled with the Spirit of God and moving and living in the Holy Spirit if you are going to reach Stratford with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so in preparation for what God is about to do for the season that you are walking into as a church, I just think Holy Spirit wants to come tonight and do something incredible in our lives and to just fill us with his presence and his power and his word again. Is that okay with you? Okay, well... You know what, for some of you it's going to be, just kidding. Let me just tell you a little bit about my uh, background and my experience so that we are all on the same page tonight. Um, I grew up as as a kid going to a Pentecostal church. My dad was a pastor, and so I grew up 
um, in church every Sunday morning, every Sunday night. And I grew up with a very strong relationship with Jesus. It's hard for me to explain it. I just know that when I was a kid, I just loved Jesus with my whole heart. I, I thought he was better than ice cream and Pop-Tarts and butterflies and playing outside. He was just the greatest. And I truly, as a child, loved Jesus. And so my relationship with God, with the Trinity, as I was growing in my faith, was very Jesus-focused. So I, Jesus was my best friend. He was my savior. All of my times of prayer were always focused on calling on the name of Jesus and talking to him like he's my best friend. The position of my heart was very much like I need my savior in my life. And it was just, it was just Jesus, me and Jesus. When I was 25, I lost my father uh, very suddenly. And after losing my father, I started to understand God as my father. So I had this whole other revelation to this other aspect of the Trinity. Now, I'd always known that there is a Trinity. God is three in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But I was so Jesus-focused that for most of my life, with having an earthly dad, there was very little consideration to God being my father. But when I lost my hero, my earthly dad, all of a sudden this revelation of who God was as my father was this incredible experience for me and opened up my understanding of God and the Trinity in a whole new way. Now, when I was a teenager, I went to a conference in Calgary, and at this conference, the people in this church referred to the Holy Spirit just as Holy Spirit. Slight difference, but dropping the the was revolutionary for me. Have you ever thought about this? Like when I walk into a room, people don't say the Trisha is here. That would be weird, although interesting, right? Um, and, and so they didn't refer to him as the Holy Spirit. They just called him Holy Spirit. And just that slight difference all of a sudden opened my understanding to the aspect of the Trinity that Holy Spirit is a person. Now, can I tell you, as someone who grew up in a Pentecostal church, learning proper theology, I was very confused on who Holy Spirit was. I thought, uh, based on my understanding, that Holy Spirit is what happens Sunday night at church at an altar. So every Sunday night as a kid, I would fell asleep on the front row watching a hundred adults at the altar on their knees loudly praying, and all the women were crying. And I just uh, understood that was Holy Spirit. Okay. I understood Holy Spirit to be a style of worship. So I had um, people who went to different churches, different friends, and they were like, oh, you go to that Pentecostal church. Like, you guys raise your hands and you clap. Like, that's Holy Spirit. Or things that would happen in a service when there was this wonderful man in our church in Montreal and he would all of a sudden, like anyone who was sleeping, would suddenly be awoken because he would have this gift that would come out of him. And I knew that was Holy Spirit. The challenge was growing up and even becoming an adult is that I was gaining an understanding that Holy Spirit, even though I knew the theology behind it, but in my relationship with God, Holy Spirit was a force, or Holy Spirit did things, or Holy Spirit was a style of worship, and I was lacking the understanding in my own relationship with God that Holy Spirit is just a person. 
and I can have a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. Now, I go to a church that I think is very similar to your church, and um, my church, we are a church that people would describe as is moving in the Holy Spirit. And there's things that happen in our service that cause our pastor or others to say, Holy Spirit is here right now. Or let's enter into the Spirit. And we use all these terms in Pentecostal churches, and they're not meant to be misleading in any way. They're not untrue in any way. But it can cause a little bit of confusion, even for someone, hello, who has grown up in a Pentecostal church. So I, I, um, I just transitioned in my church from being a youth pastor to being connections pastor. I have no idea what connections pastor is, so don't ask me. But... Um, in my youth ministry over the years, I would just go back to the basics with my students because they would hear these things like the Holy Spirit is moving or they would see things happen and people would say that's the Holy Spirit and there was so much confusion. So please, please know I'm not trying to treat you like you're like children and you don't understand. I just think that sometimes even in a Pentecostal church we make it too complicated. And we just need to go back to the basics. So can I just remind us tonight as we get going, is this okay? Just nod. It's okay. Okay. Great. Holy Spirit is not a style of worship. Holy Spirit is not in the raising of hands. Holy Spirit is not a force. Although sometimes we refer to what he's doing or the sense of his presence as wind or fire. The Holy Spirit is a person. And at its most simplest form, the easiest way for us to understand who Holy Spirit is, is very simply, He is God who lives inside of you. God our Father, right now He's present in heaven. Despite what your Sunday school teachers told you, Jesus is not a tiny God living inside of your heart. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us right now. And Holy Spirit is God Almighty who lives inside of you. Church, for a second, can we just get a little excited about that? Because listen, when we say that God lives inside of you, look, they asked me tonight if I wanted a stool, and I was like, I can't. I can't sit. I'm already off, the, I'm already off this thing, whatever this is. Holy Spirit who lives inside of you is the God who created the universe dwelling inside of you. The God who split the Red Sea in half living inside of you. The God who shut the mouths of the lion living inside of you. Jehovah Jireh, your provider, living inside of you. Jehovah Shalom, your peace, living inside of you. The great I am, God Almighty, is living inside of you. And that's at its simplest form, <laughs> that simply God lives through the power and presence and person of the Holy Spirit. He lives inside of you. And you know, growing up in a Pentecostal church, working at a Pentecostal church, I still have to remind myself of that truth. Because the reality for my life is that for many years, my church made me Pentecostal by association. But I needed my own personal Pentecost. I needed my own personal experience with the person of the Holy Spirit. 
I couldn't just be Pentecostal by association. I needed to know Holy Spirit, the presence of God living in my life for myself. You know, in the book of Acts, if you have your Bible, you can turn there. We'll read it. I'm sure it's very familiar scripture to you. In the book of Acts, it begins by talking about um, Jesus' last conversations before he leaves earth. I think anyone's last conversation before they're about to leave somewhere is very important, right? Like when I left to go to college, the last conversation I had with my parents involved talking about laundry and boys, and then we prayed. So like those... <laughs> Those are very important, the last conversations. So when we look at the last conversation that Jesus has with his closest friends. He gives them instructions. Now this has got to be important because these are the final ones. And his instruction is to wait for the promised gift which Jesus identifies as the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And Acts 2 tells us when their time of waiting had come to an end, after 50 days after Passover, on the day of Pentecost, this day that had been celebrated for generations, there's 120 followers of Jesus in a room, and the Bible says in Acts 2, verse 1, that when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them, and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. It was a sound of wind. It was with fire and a new language filling their mouth that these followers of Jesus were baptized in the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Now listen, for years they had had the association of being with Jesus, of being his follower, of being a believer. But on this day, they went from just being associated with Jesus to having the empowering presence of God himself come and inhabit their lives. They had a personal Pentecost. Now, I lived for many years in appreciation of Pentecost. I lived for many years understanding what my Bible taught about the Holy Spirit. I honored what God did on that day. I read about it. I learned about it. I understood it. I was part of a church. I had an association. I didn't question that what happened in the book of Acts was still happening today. But the reality was in my life that an association was not enough. I had to have my own personal Pentecost. And there was a moment, there was a season in my life when that stirring of God came to me and out of obedience to what I read in scripture, I began seeking God for myself and seeking the gift and asking God to fill me with his presence. And there was a moment when I was filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, which we believe is a physical evidence. But can I tell you, church, even greater than the one moment is learning to live every Every day in the presence and in the power and in relationship with the Spirit of God. And I'm telling you, I'm convinced that we need a personal Pentecost every day of our lives. That we need to encounter God's Spirit. That we need to live with an understanding of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. God Almighty dwelling in us. We need a personal Pentecost. I think part of our challenge is 
that as Pentecostal people, that sometimes we can look at that moment in our lives when we first encountered the Holy Spirit and we look at it as what defines us. Like that day when I was 16 or that time when I was 25, whenever the experience was in our life, we look at it as if that is our stamp, that is our seal, Jesus high-fived us, we're good to go, let's, let's do this, I'm a Pentecostal person, I've had my moment, like I got my little badge, I can wear it, and, and whatever. And, and we think that there's some kind of level that we have obtained by one moment in our lives. But when the Bible says that we are to be filled with the Holy Spirit, it's a plural term, <laughs> which means that we are to be ongoing in relationship with the Holy Spirit, that it is to be continual in our lives, that it's not a moment where we get a stamp or a seal or a high five from heaven, but it is continuing to live every day in the power of the Spirit. It means that for my life that I continually have to seek God and say, God, I need a personal Pentecost again. I just need it again. Because can I tell you, I, I have not arrived. I don't know about you. I had someone tell me recently, I don't remember who it was. I don't, it was probably a Bible college student because they're always telling me things that they know for a fact. But um, I had someone tell me recently, they were in their early 20s. They're like, I thought I would have arrived by now. I thought I would have figured it out. By, like, I thought that I wouldn't be struggling anymore. Like, this should be. Like in the 10 years that I've served Jesus, I, I should like have arrived by now. I don't know about you, but I have not arrived. And I don't think I ever will arrive. I need the presence and the power of the Spirit every day in my life. Sometimes every minute of every day, I need a personal Pentecost in my life over and over and over again. I need to know daily his transformative power. I need to know his voice. I need to know his leading. Because I cannot do this on my own. I need the power of the Spirit. So tonight, I just want to give us two reasons why I think we all need a personal Pentecost, all right? So number one, we need the Holy Spirit to transform us. We need the Holy Spirit to transform us. You know, when you look at those first followers of Jesus Christ, you can see a definitive difference from their relationship with Jesus before they experienced an encounter with the Holy Spirit and after, they experience an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Um, they were, these guys who started following Jesus, they were ordinary men. Now please, I don't mean that as a slam against Peter and Andrew and John and all of them. I, I we'll get to heaven and I'm sure I'm going to think that they're just incredible. But can we just say, like on paper, they're just ordinary. Just like you and me. We're just, your mom may have told you that you were the best thing since sliced bread, but can I, can I just tell you the truth tonight? You, you and I are just ordinary people. We're just, we're just ordinary people. Um, they, they just didn't stand out. These first followers of Jesus as just, you know, phenomenal world changers. Like no one would have looked at Andrew as he's cleaning nets and been like, that guy, he's going places. 
because they were just ordinary guys. They were just normal people who started following Jesus. There's no natural leadership ability that we see on their life. They weren't like Pharisees or rabbis or, or government authorities. I mean, they're fishermen. Not to knock that job. I'm sure that it's great hanging out with fish all day. Not something that I would want to do. But for some people, that is the dream. And, and they, they, were just doing, they were just doing life. They were everyday dreamers. I don't, I don't know that they ever had ambitions to catch free Willie and set him free in an ocean. I think that they just wanted to provide for their family. I think they just wanted to go day in and day out. They were ordinary guys, ordinary dreamers, which is, which really, honestly, church, I am an ordinary person with ordinary dreams. They're just like us. And all of that, it's noble and it's right and it's good, and yet their time with Jesus, their association with him, it sparks something within them. And their time with Jesus, when you read in scripture, you can see that this desire develops within them for more. <laughs> for more. Because you can see how they were trying to learn from him. How they would watch him. How they would study him. How they would look for his instruction. You can see it in, in the questions that they asked them when they would say, can you teach me how to pray? Like they were, there was this desire that was growing within them for more. You can see it in their attempt. I mean, those guys, bless their hearts, they tried. <laughs> they tried. Even to the point where like some demon-possessed kid came to them and they tried to cast the demon out because there was this desire by being with Jesus inside of them. There was this desire for more. They wanted greater. Just the association with Jesus had them desiring more in their life. And yet, get this, after all this time being with Jesus, Jesus in the flesh, they were still just ordinary men. I mean, they were living an amazing life because they were following Jesus, but they were still just ordinary men who were around all the things of the Spirit, and yet they were still lacking something within of the Spirit. They were associated with Pentecost without having a personal Pentecost. But then, after the Holy Spirit comes in that room and fills them with power, Acts chapter 2 says that they went out into the streets and the streets were crowded with all these people and all these people heard them speaking in different languages their own native languages and they were so confused as to what was going on and it says in Acts 2 verse 37 that when people heard this they were cut to the heart hearing Peter's message and they said brothers what shall we do and Peter replied repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And you guys know what happens. 3,000 people that day come to salvation in Jesus Christ after hearing Peter's message. Now listen, this was not the same Peter who just weeks before was trembling as he denied his Savior. This was a transformed Peter who stood up with holy confidence and boldness and proclaimed the truth of the gospel of Jesus of Christ in the streets to thousands of people. And the only thing that had changed with Peter was that he had a personal 
Pentecost. He had an experience with the power of the Holy Spirit, the same power, church, that is available to you and to me. It's the only thing that changed in Peter is this experience with the power of God. It was a personal Pentecost that transformed these ordinary men into men who had power and authority and words to declare over a city. And that moment in front of the crowd that day, listen, it wasn't about Peter. It wasn't about Peter's abilities. It wasn't about Peter's talents. It wasn't about Peter's personality. It was nothing to do with Peter on his own. It everything to do with the spirit that was living within him. Now, can we just can we just be real? I'm just we're gonna just be real. Yes. Okay. Thank you, five people. The rest of you want to be fake. We can do that. We um we often we often make excuses for what we will and will not do. What we say we can and cannot do simply based on the abilities that we have or the abilities that we feel like we lack. Now listen, there is a little bit of wisdom in that. I cannot lead in worship. That is not me talking down about myself. That is saving you, church, from a gift that God did not give me. There is some wisdom in that. But there are so often times in our lives when we say things that we will not do or we cannot do because we've already counted ourselves out of God's plan based on what we think our abilities are, what we think our abilities are not, what our, how we would define our personality. So we say things like, well, I can't, I can't talk to that group because I, I'm not smart enough. I mean, I just... I don't know. I don't have that kind of education. I can't influence that group of people because, I mean, I'm quiet. I can't, I can't be an influencer when I'm just shy and quiet and reserved. I can't impact that group because they're not in my circle of friends. They're, they're their own people, and I'm not, I'm not part, so I can't, I can't impact them. I can't witness I can't tell people about Jesus because what if I say the wrong things and I don't have a speech worked out and if Pastor Chad would just give me a bookmark that said everything I was supposed to say, then I could read it, but then my voice would tremble and that would be embarrassing and I would make the church look really bad, so I can't. I can't tell people about Jesus. When you look at Peter, though, there was no room for excuses in his life. Because his ability that day had absolutely nothing to do with Peter and everything to do with the transformative work of the power of the Spirit in his life. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. He transforms us and he removes our ability to justify what we will and will not do. He says, uh-uh, with your excuses, because my power has come and is enabling you to do what you could not do before. That's why the Apostle Paul, in 2 Corinthians 12, he could say, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest 
on me. See, the early church followers, they were transformed by the power of the Spirit. And every day after that, your Bible, as you turn the pages in the book of Acts and start reading the letters, it is story after story of the power of the Spirit at work in individual people's lives. And it all happened because of a personal Pentecost. And that experience was multiplied and duplicated over and over and over again in Scripture. Can we just recognize that the reason that you have a church and I have a church in 2018, it's because there were people who had personal Pentecost 2,000 years ago, and we read about it in the book of Acts. Because the Holy Spirit came and did what we could not do on our own. And it is being multiplied and duplicated over and over and over again. So that when you get to the book of Corinthians, you read these words that Paul wrote. He says, you yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, not with ink, but with the spirits of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such confidence we have through Christ before God. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our confidence comes from God. He has made us competent and ministers of a new covenant. Not of the letter, church, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives Life. Can I give you one more? Second Corinthians chapter 4 says this, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. That's, listen, that's all that I am. I am a jar of clay that sometimes is cracked and broken and bruised and battered and looks like something that should be in a garage sale and not sitting on the mantle of your fireplace. I am a jar, you are a jar of clay. But listen, we have treasure to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We can be hard-pressed on every side, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but we are not in despair. We are persecuted, but we are not abandoned. We are struck down, but we are not destroyed. We always, church, carry around the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in us. They were transformed by the power of the Spirit. These ordinary men like you and I, they were changed by a personal Pentecost. And you can see that. You can see it in their belief. Because they once believed that Jesus could do miraculous works. Oh, you have a sick child? Let's bring them to Jesus. Oh, you're blind in one eye, let's bring you to Jesus. Oh, you're mute, let's bring you to Jesus. You can't walk, let me bring you to Jesus. But it was after the power of the Holy Spirit came in their lives that Peter and John, they went to the gate beautiful and they saw a man and they said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you and reached down and pulled the man to his feet. You can see it in their belief. Because they went from believing just like, let's bring them to Jesus to knowing the power of Jesus now dwells within me. And what he did, I can do through the power of the Spirit. You can see it in their courage. Because before Pentecost, they were hiding in fear. Peter, when Jesus was crucified, he was denying. I don't know him. 
He was hiding out. But after Pentecost happened, after their experience with the Holy Spirit, you see them telling people about Jesus in the streets and in the synagogue and in the marketplace and in churches. And they're spreading out around to tell everyone about Jesus. You can see it in their courage. You can see it in their ability Because they went from being fishermen to being church planters, from being tax collectors to being missionaries, from being followers to being leaders. And that was simply because of the supernatural power of God that came to dwell within them. You can see it in their confidence because they went from being timid to being bold. They didn't allow any excuse to hold them back. You can see it in their dreams. Come on. Because no longer did they just dream about making enough money to retire in Florida one day. Come on. Someone needs to hear me in this place. Their dreams went from just surviving to dreaming that the message of Jesus Christ could go all around the world and that God could use them. Can I tell you, church, if you're thinking about your future, there is more for you than a retirement home and a trailer down in Florida. God has a purpose and a plan for your life. The Holy Spirit lives within you, not so that you can resort down in Florida in the winter and come up here in the summer. There is power and purpose through the power of the Holy Spirit that lives within you, and your time is not done until he calls you home. You can see it in their dreams, how it changed. You can see it in their passion, When they followed Jesus, remember when they followed Jesus, these guys, man, we would have been such good friends. Because when they followed Jesus, they were just concerned about feeding people. They're like, Jesus, these people are going to be hungry. I'd be like, hello, yes. I have a granola bar, two granola bars. That was a lie. I need two granola bars in my purse at all times. I'm all, yeah, if you get hungry, they're there. When they, when, they were, when they were following Jesus, their concerns were, Jesus, like, you got to wrap this message up. These people are hungry. you got to send them home. They were concerned about physical needs. But after the power of the Holy Spirit came, they were concerned about spiritual needs. You can see it in their passions because their passions changed. See, it was, this is so crazy to me. Because so often in my life I've thought, man, Jesus, if you were just here, like, in person, if we could just, like, high five and we could sit in a coffee shop, my life would be so much better. Like, if I could drink an Americano and talk to you face-to-face and I could hear your voice, then, man, wouldn't that be just so much easier? And yet the disciples had Jesus in physical form where he put his foot. They could literally see and put their foot in the same place. They went with Jesus everywhere he went. They listened to the sound of his voice, and yet that was not enough for them to be transformed. They needed God himself to come and dwell inside of them. They needed a personal Pentecost. They had Jesus. They had Jesus in person, and yet they needed God to dwell in them. To bring the dead places to life. They needed the indwelling of the Spirit. Can I tell you, church? We know Jesus. I don't know what your relationship with the Trinity like, looks like. But we know Jesus. We sing songs to Jesus. But we need the power of the Holy Spirit to dwell within us. To transform us. To change us to turn us around, to take the dead places in us 
and bring resurrection. We need the power of the Spirit. Lord, by your Spirit, transform our hearts and our faith and our courage and our ability and our confidence and our dreams and our passions that we would be made strong in the power of the Spirit. The second reason I think we need the power of the Holy Spirit, we need a personal Pentecost, is so he can equip you. And I am convinced, I am convinced, that this equipping comes to bring life to places that are dead. I think the Holy Spirit comes to live within us, to bring the same resurrection power that was inside of Jesus into our lives so that we can be carriers of the life-giving authority of Jesus that takes what is dead and brings us to life. See, the Holy Spirit, when he came, he came for us. He came for us. Bless the Lord. He did not come to give us goosebumps, but he did come for us to fill us so we can have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. But he also came with a mission, and the mission church is greater than us. The mission is for those who are outside of the walls of this building. The mission is for your city. The mission is for the world. The mission is for people who are dead in sin and need to know the life that is found in Jesus Christ. And I think the Holy Spirit came and fills us so that we could raise what is spiritually dead to life in Christ. All right, can you follow me for just a minute? Because we're going we're gonna to go Old Testament. I love the Old Testament. I just think the Old Testament has just the craziest stories. It's just the coolest, just the coolest. But here's the thing about the Old Testament, is that the Old Testament is a foreshadow of what was to come in the New Testament. So the Old Testament is giving us a picture of what is to come. And you can't fully understand the Old Testament until you know the New Testament. And when you know the New Testament, then you go back to the Old Testament, and you're like, whoa, I see Jesus in these Old Testament books. I see the Holy Spirit in these Old Testament books. And it's just so cool. So let's go back to the Old Testament for a few minutes. Um, Old Testament, you guys know the story about Moses leading God's people out of slavery. Do you remember how when they were about to leave Egypt, God came and he told um, Moses, the instruction was that they were to take the blood of an animal and put it over the doorpost over their home. And then the death angel would pass over them. Remember this? Yes, thank you. I need audience participation. Otherwise, I think you're thinking about groceries. And then I start thinking of my groceries, and then we're a whole other track, okay? Okay, so they put the blood over their doorpost, and the death angel passed over. And it was then, it was then that finally Pharaoh was like, get out of here. And they left, and we celebrate that for years and years and years as Passover, right? Passover, when they're finally released from slavery, and they get to walk through the Red Sea, and they go, they go to the other side. Now, uh, the belief is, I don't know that this is factual, but the belief is, according to people who are much smarter than me, that it was about 50 days later that on Mount Sinai, Moses received the law. Now, 50 days later, if we compare that to the New Testament, I mean, that's 50 days, Passover, 50 days is Pentecost. 
So 50 days after Passover, Moses receives the law, the Old Testament law. And the law was given to God's people to help them live out their salvation. Remember, this is prior to Jesus. So the law was a gift. It was a gift in the Old Testament. Because without the blood of Jesus, people relied on the law for their salvation, for their redemption through animal sacrifices, through following the law. But thank Jesus that when he came, he took the place of the law and we moved from people who are saved by the law to people who are saved by the grace of our God. There's such a better way in the New Testament because New Testament Passover is when Jesus, our sacrificial lamb, died on a cross for the salvation of our sins when his blood was shed. In the same way that they took that blood and they smeared it over the doorpost, listen, the blood of Jesus covers over our lives. The blood of Jesus is our salvation. He is our Passover lamb. And 50 days later, on the day of Pentecost, when all these people are in Jerusalem and they are celebrating the fact that Moses received the law, the Spirit of God comes in power and he issues a new way for people to live out our salvation through the power of the Spirit. And the result was that 3,000 people came to salvation in Jesus Christ. Can I remind you of what it says in Corinthians? That the letter of the law kills but the Spirit gives life. See, the law brings death because no one can fulfill the law. No one can follow the law. We are flawed and we're imperfect. We cannot live every letter of the law, but we don't live according to the law. We live according to the Spirit. We have been saved by Jesus. We celebrate our Passover lamb, and we celebrate Pentecost when the Spirit came and give us life. And church, this is why we need a personal Pentecost. Jesus died for you and for me so that we could know him, so that we could have salvation, so we could be redeemed by his blood. But 50 days later, he came to empower us with his spirit to introduce a dying world to a new way of living and the way of living is living day by day in the power of the spirit in the power of the spirit and as people who have been saved by grace and rescued by Jesus there is a calling upon our lives to rescue the dying to raise the dead to life it is our responsibility in accordance with the Great Commission for those who have been rescued. We are now called to rescue others. Now, can I just tell you one more story? One more story. And, and, and then, we'll, then, we'll, then we'll just call on Jesus. In the Old Testament, there's two prophets, Elijah and Elisha. You guys know them, their names so familiar. Elijah was this great prophet, and the man who followed after him was Elisha. And when Elijah was about to go to heaven, when he was going to leave this earth, Elisha asked for a great thing. He said, Elijah, can you give me a double portion? He was asking for the anointing. He was asking, really, for an experience with the Holy Spirit. He was asking for the power of God. He called it a double portion. He asked for the mantle of Elijah. Now, you guys know when Elijah goes to heaven, get this, there is a chariot of fire, and the Bible says there's also a whirlwind. 
Now, I'm not trying to make crazy comparisons. I just know that the Old Testament foreshadows the New Testament. And in the New Testament, when the Holy Spirit came, he came with fire and he came with wind. And when Elijah went to heaven and Elisha was asking for the power of the Spirit, the anointing, the mantle, the double portion, there was wind and there was fire. And this cloak fell from heaven and Elisha picked it up and immediately had authority and power that he had never had before. And he took the cloak and he hit the water and the water split in two. Now this is what I love about the story of Elisha. The first miracle that Elisha does after receiving this authority and receiving this power is he walks into a town. And in this town, the town has bad water. And this bad water is making everyone sick from drinking. There are people who are dying from drinking this water. And the land there, it's unable to produce any fruit because it's being nourished from this bad water. And Elisha, he goes out to the spring and he throws salt and he declares the word of the Lord over that water. And he says, never again will it cause death and make the land unproductive. His first miracle with the authority and the power of God is saving people from death and allowing them to live. Taking a barren place and making it a place that once again bears fruit. Now, Elisha goes on and he does many miracles, incredible things. You can read the stories. And then the day comes that Elisha dies. And when you read your Bible and you do the math, you realize that Elisha dies one miracle short of being double the amount of miracles that Elijah did. And you kind of read it and you're like, oh, man, so close. He asked for a double portion. One, one away. Just, one, just missed it by one. Just missed it by one. But as you read your Bible, you read about this day when there are caravans and they are traveling down the land. And they are carrying with them a dead body. And apparently this is the thing to do back then. But they decide to get rid of this dead body and they throw it into an open tomb. And it lands on the bones of Elisha. Can you imagine? When I get to heaven, I hope that there are movies and we get to see because I have questions about every Bible story. I want to know facial reactions. I want to know what people said. I want to know how the whole thing exactly went down. But they throw the body of this man and he lands on the bones of Elisha. Can you imagine? And this corpse all of a sudden comes back to life and he is standing now in an open tomb. And he, I don't know how it works. I kind of think like as the caravan is going, they didn't even stop. And they just like threw him in and they just keep going. And all of a sudden they look back and that dead man is now running after them. Like, guys, wait up for me. I don't know what happened, but I'm here. Don't leave me behind. And Elisha, he has doubled the miracles. His first miracle, bringing life to a place that was dying where there was death, where there was barrenness. And his last miracle brought life where there was death. Elisha, who experienced a foreshadowing of what was to come when the Holy Spirit came, started his ministry saving people from death and ended his ministry raising the dead to life. Now listen, church, this is our calling as believers. This is your calling as a believer in Jesus Christ to raise the dead 
to life. Now, please don't do doing anything crazy. If you do, I'm going to blame Pastor Chad. If you start walking into funeral homes and laying your hands on caskets, I'm going to deny this message, and we're going to have personal counseling with Pastor Chad. But I'm telling you, there are things and there are places and there are people who spiritually are dead and the power of the Spirit is in you to bring life where there is death. That is our calling as believers in Jesus Christ. That is why the equipping of the Spirit has come to your life. There are dead dreams in this room. There are dead dreams. And the Spirit of God lives inside of you to bring life to those places where there is death. There are sons and daughters who are represented in this room who are spiritually dead. And you need to grab your sackcloth from off of your shoulders and begin to speak life, to speak life where you see death in your sons and daughters who look like they are spiritually dead because there is power inside of you to call what was dead back to life. There in this room tonight are marriages that look like death. And counseling is good, and thank, thank the Lord for people who can counsel marriages. But what marriages need more than anything is people who will get on their knees and start speaking life where they see death. And believing for the power of the Holy Spirit to transform a marriage that looks like it is dying. There are circumstances and situations that appear barren and dry and dead. And the life of God is inside of you. There are lost people all around us. People who are dead in their sin. And you have the life of Jesus through the power of the Spirit living inside of you. You are called to bring life to places that look like they are dead. You know, for those people that day who were gathered in the upper room, they had this personal Pentecost that instantly transformed them. Instantly. So much so that they walked out of that room with confidence and boldness and courage and authority and a voice and words and the power of the Spirit to bring the gospel into the streets of their city. And church, it may look different, but God does the same thing today. He is still filling his people with his power so that we can be carriers of the gospel of Jesus Christ into this city. For the disciples that day, it was the people of Judea and Asia and Egyptians and Romans. And if I was going to rewrite it, I would say that today it's seniors and skaters and the high-collared and hipsters and businessmen and busy moms and control freaks and cat owners, the poor and the powerful. Everyone, even the cat lovers, need someone who knows the power of Jesus in their life. We need a personal Pentecost. We need a personal Pentecost. Worship team, can you come? We need a personal Pentecost. Church, do you believe me tonight when I say we need a personal Pentecost? You know, I am so, I am so convinced. I am so convinced tonight. I am so convinced tonight that your church is in... Um, I, I hesitate to use the word strategic, but Jesus can be strategic. He knows what he's doing. You are in a strategic season as a church. You have experienced growth. But the leaders of this church have not made a decision about going to two services just based on what God has done in the past. 
They are making decisions going forward based on what they believe in their hearts God is about to do in this city. You are making room. You are preparing for people who are going to come into this church. But let me tell you, the responsibility of filling this church with people who are dead in their sin, that responsibility does not lie on your pastor alone. That lies on the church of Jesus Christ. The power of God lives inside of you so that you can take the life of Jesus into your grocery store, into your high school, into your workplace, into your family, along the streets of your city as you drop postcards and mailboxes. The power of the Spirit is alive within you. And if you're going to see Stratford come to life in Jesus, it's going to happen because people who are saying, I need a personal Pentecost. I need the power of the Spirit in my life to equip me to be carrier of the life-changing power of Jesus. And that is a call upon you. Listen, it's not dependent on your abilities. You might say, oh, Trish, but I'm so shy. I can't talk to people. Can I tell you a secret? I'm really shy. (laughs) I get nervous meeting new people. I don't like talking to people that I don't know. I would much rather hide out. Even this Sunday morning, I had to help with a video, and afterwards I just went and sat in a kid's classroom and played with some kids because I was, like, feeling shy about going into church. It's not based on your personality or your abilities. God uses the personality that he gives you. He uses the abilities that he gives you. There is no lack in your life that can stop you from being used by God to make a difference. Because the power of the Spirit lives within you. The challenge, I think, church, is that as Pentecostal people, that we forget We start to think that we're Pentecostal by association. We're Pentecostal because I lift my hands in worship. I'm Pentecostal because we say the Spirit is moving in our church. I'm Pentecostal because I go to a church that has Pentecostal in its name or on the door or in its doctrine. You're Pentecostal because you've had an experience with the Holy Spirit. And that means that the God who created the universe dwells in you. The God who split the sea in half lives in you. The God who closed the mouths of the lions lives in you. Jehovah Jireh, your provider, lives in you. Jehovah Shalom, your peace, lives in you. That means wherever you go, the peace of God goes. You walk into a grocery store and the peace of God enters the grocery store because you just entered and the spirit of God lives within you. You get nervous talking to your neighbors. I understand that. But the power of God, the life-changing encounter of Jesus is in you to bring life where there is death. He lives in you. You guys, do you recognize that the power of the Holy Spirit is in you? It's in your youth pastor, but your youth pastor can't hang out in your school because eventually they'll call the cops and he'll get in trouble. 
but it lives in you. So that means when you're walking down the halls of your school and some kid is talking about how that night he's going to get so wasted, I can't wait just to do whatever. Do you understand that as you walk by that conversation, that the life-changing power of God is in you? And you don't have to do anything weird, but you can just acknowledge in your spirit and say, Holy Spirit, let him feel your power in your presence. Holy Spirit, reveal yourself to him. Holy Spirit, protect him tonight. Holy Spirit, reveal who Jesus is. God, save my generation and understand that every day when you walk into your school, Jesus is walking in. The power of the Spirit is walking in. And if anything can change your generation, you can. Because you have the power of the Spirit inside of you. The Holy Spirit's not a force. He's not a style of worship. He's not a title on a church. He is God who dwells within you. And he wants to transform you into the likeness of Christ. And church, we need that. Oh my goodness, I need that. Every day, my attitude needs to be transformed again by the Spirit of God. I need his transforming power in his life. I just need it. I need to be transformed. I need a personal Pentecost every day to be transformed. And we need to know and to walk in recognition. The power of God lives in you. The answer for your lost son or daughter, mom and dad, it's, it's in you. Because the spirit of God is in you. The power to save your marriage, it's in you. Because the Spirit of God is in you. What God wants to do in this church, it's going to come through you because the power of God is in you. But we need to say again and again and again, God, I've been filled, but I need to be filled again. I need another personal Pentecost. I just need the Holy Spirit to come and fill me again. So this is all I'm asking you to do tonight. I'm asking you to respond to the Spirit of God. And you can get up out of your seat and you can find your way to this altar. You can kneel at your thing. You can walk around. You can lift your hands. But I'm asking tonight for us to again ask God, Lord, we need another Acts 2 experience. I don't need fire. I don't need wind. I just need an encounter with the Spirit of God to come and transform me. I need an encounter with the Spirit of God to fill me again. I would love for this tonight to become a room where you begin to pray for your city where you begin to pray for your neighbors, where you begin to believe and ask God to use you to transform your city so that life comes to Stratford in places where there's been death, that God would use you to bring life. So we're just going to ask, on this encounter night, we're going to ask God for an encounter. Amen? Can we stand to our feet all around this room tonight? Spirit of God, right now, we just invite you to come. We invite you to speak. We invite you to move. We open our hearts. We started tonight, God, by simply saying that we are positioning ourselves, that we were opening up our heart, that we are opening up our lives for an encounter with the Spirit. We opened our hearts and we said, Holy Spirit, come. And now we're asking you with full understanding for the person of God who lives within us to encounter us tonight. God, I pray tonight in this room for transformation. 
I pray, God, that we would, whatever it is in our life that needs to be transformed by the power of the Spirit, that tonight it would be transformed. That, God, that you would transform our dreams from ordinary to supernatural. That you would transform our abilities from just being in our own strength to being empowered by your Spirit. That you would transform our passions so that we care less about the things of this world and are passionate about the things of the Spirit. God, transform our mind and our attitudes. Transform us so that we are made into the likeness of Jesus Christ. God, transform us tonight in this place. We ask that by your Spirit of God that once again that you would come and fill us. We ask for a Pentecost tonight in our lives that we would have an encounter with the Holy Spirit so that by the time we walk out of this place, we know that we are filled with the life changing, resurrecting power of Jesus inside of us. And Holy Spirit, we just ask you right now, come, 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 fill our lives again. Fill our lives again. Come on, church, can we, whatever response looks like for you tonight, some of you need to come and find your way around this altar. There's things that have to be sacrificed tonight. Some of you need to begin to walk and pray for your city. Some of us need to lift our hands and just call on the power of God to come in this place. Whatever you need to do to position yourself tonight to encounter the Spirit of God, let's begin inviting the Holy Spirit in this place. Let's begin, Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We welcome you. We welcome you, Spirit of God. We welcome. God, come with power. Come with power tonight in this place. Come with power tonight in this place. Thanks for checking out this week's message, Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you, and that you come back and check out next week's message as well. 